Welcome back to Chop for Time. Uh, Devin is not here today, so there's no there's no like chops going on. Uh, but thanks you guys for uh, checking in again. So we are going to be discussing our new series that we're going through for this year, which is the book of Hebrews. Ben started us off and looking at Hebrews chapter one, verses one through four. So we're going to be talking about that today. Well, we were, we were just saying like, it feels really weird to be sitting here. I feel like I have way our, more responsibility than I used to have. Our captain is gone. Yeah. We don't know how to act without Devin here. Are we really recording Chop for Time without... Without the... the yeah. Yeah. I know. It's it's kind of just part of the... Mystique in the lore. Yeah. Something, something like that. Yeah. yeah. Something. That is Devin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Devin, we were saying, if you're watching, we want to get your oil painting. Yes. Like have it on the wall somewhere yes. to just make it Lord more epic. Arte. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we've, we've started a new series. We're, we're going through another book this year. So this is our third year in a row going through like an entire book for the year. We did Ephesians mm-hmm. in 2021. Correct. That's like, it doesn't feel like it's, it's 2023. Uh, 2021 was Ephesians. Uh, Exodus was 2022. And then... We're going through Hebrews this year. So we've got 30 weeks, is that what you said? Roughly. Roughly. Yeah, that's that's the plan, anyhow. The plan. Yeah. It can change. Yeah, yeah. yeah. At any given moment, yeah. Uh, so we are four verses in. Coming out yeah, the gates. Yeah. Strong, man. We're, we're flying through yeah. at, a, at a speedy pace. <laughs> um, Sean, would you be up for reading that for us? Hebrews chapter 1, verses yeah. 1 through 4. Let me get it. my translation right real quick. Okay. The Greek. Right. Yeah. yeah, of course. Okay. Yeah. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance, and through the son, he created the universe. The son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. When he had cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. This shows that the Son is far greater than the angels, just as the name God gave him is greater than their names. Cool. It's kind of, uh, compared to all other letters, I I can understand why people struggle to connect who is the author. Describe authorship. Yeah, because it's just, it's not, it doesn't, it's not written like any of the other Mm -hmm. authors that we have in the New Testament. Like, you know, it doesn't sound like John, it doesn't sound like Paul. Yeah, well, you've got the greeting that's missing. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. was a trademark of Paul, and and Paul usually always identifies himself at some point mm-hmm. throughout the letter. Normally, yeah. in the beginning, uh, it's got a little John esque mm-hmm. kind of feel with the terminology of the he sat down, you know, next to the majestic, mm-hmm. you know. So there's there's that little bit of artistry that John is so yeah. well known for, but. Uh, yeah, and you'll see that throughout the the rest of the letter that there's so many different things that we can pick up on as qualifiers right. for possible authorship. But then it's almost in the next statement when it goes to well, that kind of disqualifies right. that yeah. as well. Yeah. And it's different as well because so many other letters, almost all of them, start with that introduction that you were talking about, like grace and peace to you mm-hmm. um, from our Father above. We were talking about that with our middle schoolers a while ago. You know, that's John, Peter, and Paul all do the same mm-hmm. same thing. Um, but this one doesn't have that one. It's just like, you even said this on Sunday, straight in. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, he starts with the theme of the entire book 
covered in the first four verses. Mm-hmm. And do you want to give us a quick recap of kind of what you yeah shared? Um, yeah, it, just talking about that, he he comes out just very direct, very blunt to the point. You know, the old preaching idiom of tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them what you want to tell them, and then tell them what you told them. And and that's really the approach that the author of Hebrews takes. I mean, he comes straight out and just says, long ago, you know, God spoke to our fathers, Abraham, Moses, David, you know, the, the Jewish fathers and the patriarchs that we see in the Old Testament. So he's establishing that, that God spoke in the Old Testament. It wasn't just, uh, um, you know, a, a, like an oral passing down or something that somebody was looking and interpreting. This was actually God speaking to these patriarchs through various ways, uh, whether it be dreams, visions, actual prophetic words, uh, writings on the wall, Balaam's donkey. I mean, you know, just so many different ways. And it's, you know, various times. So there was never a complete picture. There was never this complete revelation. It was just like bits and pieces of like puzzle pieces falling into place at varying times. But there was never a full puzzle. You know, there was never this full revealing of what God was speaking. And then he says, but in these last days, he has spoken to us through his son. And really, it's not even into, I think it's chapter two, whenever the the writer talks about Jesus. Up until then, it's the son, you know, the, the son of God. And that's, so he gives us this indication that God is a God who speaks. He spoke in the Old Testament. He spoke through Jesus Christ. And that's the final revelation because he goes on to kind of the qualifying, the radiance of his glory, the exact representation of his character that once he, you know, took care of the sin problem that he sat down at the right hand of the father. Mm. And, um, you know, that, that kind of gives us this indication that he makes that he spoke his final revelation. There's, there's not a third revelation coming of his character, but he spoke through the son. He is the final, he is the greatest, he is superior. And now I'm going to spend a lot of time and a lot of beautiful detail and, and examples of how and why he's superior. Yeah. And, and that's really where we, you know, landed and, and really zoomed in on on Sunday was this uh, source of truth, this final revelation truth of Jesus Christ. Oh, that's cool. Um, well, there's a few there's a few of us in here today. Do you mind if I just ask a couple of you what your, you know, main takeaway from the sermon was? Is that okay, Sean, if we start with you? Yeah, um, I think my main takeaway was you were talking about emotions and how they make terrible, terrible saviors. And I think that was just really, um, really powerful because I think one way we always describe ourselves or how we're feeling is, well, I feel happy. I feel sad. I feel, lonely. you know, we, we use all these different emotions to lay out how we're feeling when actually if we put an actual thought into our feelings, it's really not the best. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When the, the emotions or emotions can be beautiful. They're designed by God. They're used by God. And we need to relate to God through our emotions. There's no doubt. I mean, we will see later that we do not have a high priest who is unfamiliar with what we go through. Jesus experienced emotions. But again, emotions make horrible gods. You know, they, they make terrible masters. 
but yet in this battle for truth, one of the things that, that we face is this belief that what we feel is our truth. So my problem with that is I'm, I'm a fairly stoic individual. I mean, most of the time I'm, I'm fairly even killed until I'm not. Mm. And then I just become an absolute emotional train wreck. Mm. And that train wreck is supposed to lead me into all truth. Like, no, it, it can't even lead me into a healthy way of thinking most of the time. Uh, yeah. it, it leads me to the refrigerator a lot and into the bag of potato chips that's where <laughs> that truth leads me. But, you know, so that's the, that's the thing with emotions is like, we don't need to suppress them and act like we're not feeling it. We don't need to approach God like, okay, well, I'm kind of depressed today. I'm, I'm feeling kind of gloomy, but I'm going to put on a great facade and then I'm going to go to God and I'm going to act like none of this is happening. No, no, we you're experiencing what you're experiencing. He experienced it as well. And we can go to him in that emotional state that we're in, but the emotions don't define our truth. That's yeah. I think we also just don't, I I think oftentimes in our sort of modern context, we mistake opinion for truth. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, you know, that old phrase of people, I say old phrase, kind of new phrase of people like to say, well, that's my truth. It's like, no, it's your opinion. And that's okay. You can have opinions, but truth doesn't, Truth is not based on your feelings or or things like that. It's it's like you, your how you feel about something doesn't change that thing. Mm-hmm. Like I might f- feel like a tomato should be a vegetable, doesn't make it a vegetable, right? You know that's my opinion that it seems more vegetable like, but it's not. It's a fruit. You know, so like, um, yeah, our feelings don't dictate the sort of the world around us. Mm-hmm. Um, that's God's job. Yeah. So. Uh, Kylie, you have any thoughts? I mean, my takeaway was like emotions as well, but I was thinking about how a lot of the time, myself included, but when we make our emotions truth, it's almost like uh, we kind of make our personality. And there's also the fact that a lot of people are like, well, it's just my personality. I can't change that. Mm-hmm. That's not true. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, you know, you know, you have your temperament, which is different than your personality, but it's like when we follow Christ, he says, we're a new creation. So he's going to take the traits of our personality and our temperament that are fallen and sinful. If we let him, he can transform that. And so, but, you know, we can't do that unless we take our feelings to him first mm-hmm. um, and look at it through the context of scripture. Um, and so that's something I wrestle with too. But I like that my emotions aren't God. Yeah. That makes mm-hmm. sense. You know, like I like that. I don't have to be slave to my emotions. And sometimes that's hard because you feel really justified, especially when it's a strong emotion like anger, sadness or whatever. But like at the end of the day, kind of like what you were saying, Ben, it's um, it's really rough if you just dwell in that emotion and let it rule you. And it doesn't really lead to anything good, like the refrigerator <laughs> or something, you know. Um, but it, with our faith, like if I based my faith on my emotions and I'd, I mean, I'm already a roller coaster, but it would be like a roller coaster that crashes, yeah. you know, like it goes yeah. off the track. Yeah. So it's yes, our emotions are beautiful, but they can be a slave master if mm-hmm. we let them. And I really appreciate you calling that out because, I, you know, we all struggle with it. And it's not just people who aren't Christians, not just sinners, it's Christians. Oh, yeah. um, there's a lot of that. And that's it's hard. But yeah. yeah. One of the other things that you talked about that 
I would spend a bit of time on was the, you know, in, in, in the author of Hebrews' mind, Jesus is the ultimate source of unity mm. within the entire biblical story and within the entire world, right? Mm-hmm. And so you talked about, like, you know, God revealed himself in parts throughout thousands of years of history in the Old Testament. And then within three years of ministry, we get the full picture mm-hmm. in Jesus. And that should be something that we can all rally around. I mean, we've, we've talked a few times about this idea of like, you know, Jesus is perfect theology. It's kind of a weird statement to yeah. sort of go off of yeah. and can can be a bit fuzzy. But but in some ways it's kind of true because he, he is the complete revelation of who Yahweh is. Mm-hmm. Um, and you sort of alluded to this a bit, but like we're not united. Not at all. You know, like yeah. compared to many other religions out there. Um you know, there's thousands of sects of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um and it's sad. It's probably yeah. the way that I'd word it. Well, I mean we're I, I think we're named Protestants for a reason. You know, mm-hmm. because we, we protest one another. Yeah. You know, it's like <laughs> you know, the Catholic Church has split what, twice, maybe three times mm-hmm. in its history. Mm-hmm. We usually split split two to three times a week. <laughs> you know? yeah. It's like, yeah. so yeah. I mean, that's if, if we if we're calling for unity, which we should, which Jesus commands us to, and Jesus is the source of unity. Uh, it, it's really difficult, I think, for a world to look and see see us with a high level of credibility when we start talking about a unified message. Whenever we struggle so mightily with unity even amongst the people who believe mm-hmm. the same way that we do much less people who don't unless i mean jesus says that people will know that you're my disciples by your love for yeah. one another yeah. and oftentimes like i think sometimes we get that right and we do look out for one another but the times that are public and make the news are the times that we're not doing that yeah do you know what i mean and and which is which is that's just a hard part of Christianity in general because true love is also humility and which requires not flaunting it all over the place. And failing to do that is what makes it into the public sphere. So, you know, we have to be so careful with our actions and how we treat each other because when we get it right, nobody should notice in a sense. Yeah. Um, other than the people who are in the immediate vicinity and can see it happening but then on the flip side of that when we get it wrong it's just catastrophic Mm. you know i mean there's a there's a town in northern ireland where i'm from where there's like i think it's six presbyterian churches it's a town about the size of grayson and that's just the presbyterian churches right (laughs) because they split so many times um and that's just one denomination which is split a lot never mind the methodist the church of ireland the anglicans the catholic the you know it's it's crazy um and i think a lot of the time people look at the church and we've talked about this before kyle and i talk about this a lot of this mentality that we have loads of friends that are in this situation of i love jesus just can't stand the church i'm like that's that's a real problem yeah. like that's not okay yeah <laughs> well that i mean boiling it down a little bit maybe too simplistic that would be similar to me saying man i love i love you can't stand your bride <laughs> Yeah. I mean, that, you know, that, that's what you're saying is like, if, if you love Jesus and you're making that statement that you can't stand the church, that you hate the church, then that's what, that's what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. And, and I mean, for both of us, we would say if somebody does that to us, it's like, you know, love you, hate Kim. And it's like, yeah. well, we're probably not going to spend a whole lot of time together. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> you yeah. know, I don't know if this relationship is really going to be that strong. Exactly. Yeah. You know, 
Um, so yeah, I think we should, you know, unity is so important um, and just sort of coming under that one banner. Um, Sean, we were talking about something yesterday that this kind of talks about, which is this idea of like the son of God. Um, I know I was having a hard time articulating the question um, when we were talking yesterday, but it was the idea that um, some places see Jesus as the son of God or God as incarnated as a man. I don't know if that makes sense or not. And it's like, so what's the differences between like, should we be believing, you know, we always see son of God, son of God, son of God. But then I hear people using the term like it's God in, you know, human form, you know. Um, so I was like, that just kind of messes a lot of stuff up. Because if you think about like the Trinity, you know, it's um, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. It's like, well, if God is not the Son or if God is himself as the Son, it just kind of, you know, makes it really weird. Yeah. The Trinity is not something we talk about all that much until you, when you start trying to explain it, you're like, uh, <laughs> you know, but. Yeah. So, so there's, there's this passage in John chapter 17 and kind of <coughs> trying to connect the question that you just talked about there with kind of the call for unity. We, we see the high priestly prayer in John 17 where Jesus is praying and in a section of that, he states that, Father, let them be one as you and I are one. Mm. So there is a call for unity there that's only achievable through Jesus the Son. You know, and, and again, it's that, that Trinity thing. Of, it, it, it's always amazed me like there is, there is no struggle for hierarchy amongst the Trinity. Mm. Like, it's not like God's like, yeah, we're all co-equal, co-eternal, you know, God, the father's like, yeah, they're, they're great, but I'm, I'm really the guy, you know, and yeah. Jesus is not just like the, the heir apparent in waiting and kind of positioning himself, you know, for the moment that he gets to become the, the elevated one. There's none of that, but yet we see this calling in John 17 of our relationships need to mirror the relationship of the Father and the Son. Mm. No hierarchy, no desire for being elevated one over the other, not one wanting to be proven right or better or more intelligent or more personable. It's just this call, and that just that simply astounds me, to be honest with you, that there is this call for Father, as you and I are one, I, that's what I pray for them to be. Um, and, and that's just amazing to me. Yeah. The, the, the aspect of like the Trinity is one of those things that, you know, as a youth pastor, we talk about the Trinity, but we don't never really explain it. And, you know, little kids hear about it from like whenever you grow up in the church, you hear about the Trinity all the time. And the amount of youth that I've had grow up through and get into college, you then start to think, yeah, the Trinity. Oh, how does that work again? And then when they start to actually really think about it for themselves, it gets really complicated. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for good reason. I mean, it, it is an incredibly complicated thing of like, we have a God that is one and three, mm -hmm. you know, and interacts with us in different ways and is completely omnipresent, om omnipotent, omniscient, mm -hmm. like all the there things and transcendent and eminent simultaneously. And you're just like, what? 
But I think it just speaks to just how massive God's character is, which I think is really cool. But as we were talking about it, we talked about how God, Jesus also gets called, he calls himself the son of man. Mm-hmm. And it, which is kind of like a throwback to Daniel 7, mm-hmm. which I actually think this passage talks a little bit about as well. Um, uh, in verse 3, the son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. And like Daniel 7 is this prophecy from Daniel of this son of man who will be raised up and go to the throne of what's the, the ancient of days, I think yeah. it's called, yeah. and will be seated on the throne. And it's like big prophecy and you know, the, the Hebrews, the author of Hebrews is like, yeah, that, that, that guy was Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus called himself the son of man for a reason. Um, just to sort of prove his deity, yeah. you know. Um, and uh, I just love it when the whole Bible kind of comes together. Yeah. <laughs> it's like little moments where it all kind of interconnects. Love when a plan comes together. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really great, sermon and a really good introduction and i like that it's just like we now have the picture of what hebrews is going to look like and we're going to spend another 29 weeks (laughs) explaining what we've just heard yeah (laughs) like this this initial statement of the importance of christ the son and and everything that he did and how that all works you know and so i'm really excited to see where where it goes um were there any other areas that you chopped the areas that you couldn't get into i i think the you know the the radiance of his glory, the exact representation, all, all of those, the you know taking care of sin, being seated at the right hand of the Father. There's so much stuff that we could, you know because like I said, you know if you look at um, him fulfilling all of these things and him being the final revelation and him being the the source of truth, uh, you know that that led me to John chapter one. You know, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Through Him, all things were created. Through Him, all things were sustained, which is echoed in Hebrews. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, okay, cool. Where does that lead me? Genesis chapter Mm 1. I mean, that's that's how beautifully deep and rich from a theological and, and doctrinal standpoint that the book of Hebrews, is, you know, really, really is. Whenever you get to dissecting it, and that's that's going to be the challenge. Yeah. To be honest with you, is is to not go down every single road. Yeah, yeah, because it's so tempting. Because I mean, here verse verse one in the very beginning of the the whole book is already leading us all the way back to before creation. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite a long way. So, to, so I chopped basically yeah. the whole Bible yeah. up until that point. Well, that's yeah. what I was going to say. Like you know, you go you go back to John. In the beginning was the Word, and that throws you back to Genesis one. And then you read on a little bit. You get to Genesis three, which throws you back into the Gospels. And then you read the story of Jesus, which throws you into Hebrews. Yep. And then you learn. Yep. <laughs> like, you know, it's all. It's uh, there's like an image. I'll I'll throw it up on the on the screen here. That like the, the, the big rainbowy looking yeah, thing. Yeah, um, amazing. All of the connections between the Bible is just completely outstanding. You know, there's just nothing else like it. That was the sermon we were listening to yesterday, just saying, like, there is nothing like the Bible. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the best-selling book in the world. Um, it has more translations than any other book in the world. Like, it's it's just... Yeah, and just the illustration, like, where he had the... He had different, like, pieces of paper, and it's like, well, this book has two translations. This book has 60. This book has... And it was like the Bible was in the thousands and he was handing it to these kids and this one girl's almost falling over with how many 
paper she's having to yeah. hold and it's like it's just overwhelming or not even overwhelming it's just amazing to see how many translations we have that not everybody will would even know about you know yeah, yeah. um well we can do the, the classic devon takeaways let's do the final takeaways uh, the, the takeaways uh sean what what would be your as your he throws takeaway? it right at me <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're going to give kylie a um, on what do you think i think a takeaway for me is just um understanding like the feelings don't control don't let my feelings control me like still you like you know use them for good but you know just understanding like okay i'm gonna have these emotions but channeling them to where they'll be best fit or be best interest you know Mm -hmm. and the best interest for for god how how can i use the emotions that i'm feeling positively yeah okay um, for me, it was mostly the main takeaway well, from the sermon, I guess, from the discussion was just the introduction to Hebrews. It's setting up, well, it's, at least to me, um, it's just how, I'm going to sound really cheesy, but just how epic God is mm-hmm. <laughs> and how interwoven his word is throughout like thousands of years and bringing it all together. And it all points to Jesus, mm-hmm. um, God, you know, and it, it's a good reminder, like, yes, he does care about our emotions and we go to him, but he's he's the top top guy. You yeah. know, he he's the big kahuna and it all is about him. And it kind of just puts me in my place. But it's it's a place I realize I want to be, you know, mm-hmm. like I am so glad I'm not God and I can give everything to him. He, he's got it, you know, and it also gives me like a sense of awe about him. And I think sometimes, especially if you grew up in church. Um, we talk about God all the time, but we almost get this casualness or this callousness to just the majesty and the mystery of him. You know, even us briefly talking about the Trinity, like we, we grapple with it and stuff. And I think we should, but it's like our finite minds are never going to fully understand God and who he is. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, we're never going to get to the bottom of him. And so for me, like getting into Hebrews is a reminder of how finite I am and how grand and incredible God is and it's okay if I don't fully understand but I can get to know his character mm. you know um and one way we do that is through Jesus and seeing what he's done and who he is so yeah um that actually brings me back to something you used to say a lot whenever I first started here which is God is God and I am not yeah you know it's just kind of one of those reminders of just how huge God is um how big his character is how how, how he's had his hand in the story from the very beginning mm-hmm. till today oh. um it's just a really cool thing to sort of remember and sort of get to grips with you know we, we sometimes think that you know we look back on bible times and think oh if, if only i was alive back then and i could have seen all of this stuff happen um but that's not true because we have the holy spirit living in us like we have the law written on our hearts as mm-hmm. jeremiah says like it's just a wonderful time to be alive in a sense to have such intimacy with god that we can have um, and to have the entire Bible the way that we do translated into any language that we need to be able to to learn more about him is just a real a real gift. Yeah. But Ben, what's your... I think I'm going to be... The, the takeaway for me, and I think the continual takeaway, is going to be the challenge that I'm faced with from that statement of, you know, Jesus is greater. Mm-hmm. Um, he's He's greater than any hurt. He's greater than any sorrow, any persecution any joy, any victory, uh, any happiness that we could ever experience, Jesus is greater. 
That's such a simplistic statement, but to have that challenged week in and week out, I think is going to be a really great thing because while we may know that here, it's, this is going to challenge us to look at these areas in our lives that sometimes we get so caught up and distracted by and begin to wallow in, in some cases, and have that challenged by that simple truth week by week by week by week that Jesus is greater. Whatever you face this week or facing currently, he's greater. Yeah, that's awesome. So next week? Next week, we are, we're going to read verse 4 again. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go with Hebrews 1, 4 through 14. And we're going to talk about angels and how yes. Jesus is greater than angels. Awesome. Very cool. Well, thank you guys for watching. Um, We're going to be back here again next week. If you don't have a church home and you're in our area, please come join us at FCC. If you want to know more, check out our website uh, and follow us along as we continue to dive into Hebrews. We actually have a big page on our website with a lot of information about the book of Hebrews, sort of introductions and little walkthroughs that might help you get started into that book. So make sure to check that out um, as we go. So thanks for watching and make sure to do all the things like comment, subscribe, and we will see you next week.